Hello and welcome to Caged In Presents Copla Connections, brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Pat Syllabus. This is episode 18 and our film for this week is Prophecy, released in 1979, directed by John Frankenheimer and starring this week's Copla Connection, Talia Shire. If you have never listened to the podcast before, what we do here is we watch every single film in the collective Coppola filmography to determine whether they are the greatest film family of all time. This week, I'm joined by Will Chichester, where we kind of get under the skin of this creature feature. So we talk about his Coppola credentials, how he got to know the family as the wider organism we also dive into the whole like creature feature phenomenon of the kind of mid to late 70s and how this film slots into films like jaws or piranha if you haven't seen this film we talk about it in every single gory spoiler filled detail so be sure to stop the podcast now and go watch it a little recommendation as well this film has recently had a fantastic restoration by eureka entertainment so pick up a blu-ray that's the what i watched it on and it's absolutely fantastic unfortunately for this episode there is no bonus nick cage filled chat which i'm kind of a bit upset about I feel like there would have been a great little chat with Will all about Nick Cage, but I'll be sure to get him on at some point to record a special Patreon bonus for that. But if you would like any of the previous Patreon episodes, head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod, where you can donate as little as one pound or one dollar a month to help this train keep chugging on down the track to Coppola Town. So I guess all that's left to do is to pack up your things, head on down to the woods, insert yourself in the middle of a tense situation involving some native people and some loggers, and be aware of the big old pizza bear as we make some Coppola connections. Today, I'm going down to the woods, and I'm sure I'm going to be in for a surprise, as we look at John Frankenheimer's 1979 eco-horror creature feature, Prophecy, written by the Omen's very own David Seltzer, starring Robert Foxworth, Amanda Sante, and today's Coppola connection, Talia Shire. To help me figure out what is going on in the woods, has somebody poisoned the waterhole, and what the fuck is that mutant bear? is will chichester welcome will how are you hi i'm good thanks for having me yeah it's um so let's jump off of the the, the bat here and I'll, I'll i'll ask you uh what is your kind of history in regards to the ecological kind of creature features are you a fan yeah i'm a jaws is one of my favorite films and i think that was a jumping off point for quite a few of these mm-hmm. yeah like i think yeah, you had Jaws, and then, obviously this is a bit later, but then Piranha, which is yep. a classic. 
but yeah, so I, I yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a sucker for a creature feature. So yeah. What about like films that kind of have this, like I don't know, not message movies as such, but obviously this kind of this film, and we'll get into it a lot more, has yeah. a very clear like we're we're the problem. Yeah, like, yeah, and I mean. It's well, like you said, I'm sure we'll get into it, but it packs in quite a few issues in the first <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, before we get to talking about prophecy, I always like to ask uh, people their kind of Copla credentials. So, when did you first become aware of the Copla family as this entity that they are? Of like, kind of, there's all these tendrils and yeah, all these different members of the family. Well, I knew. From from loving films from younger, I knew the connection with Nicolas Cage and the Coppola family, and then Sophia Coppola because, mm-hmm. but I wasn't aware of how far-reaching it was. Mainly <laughs> through yourself, like how far-reaching and how yeah, how many there are and how many connections. So, what? Who would have been your entry point? Like, which which family members film would you have seen first? Weirdly, I think it probably it may have been Talia Shire because of the Rocky films. Yeah. Do you know what I mean because that would be? I think the first one I would have seen would have been Rocky Four. Mm-hmm. I remember, <laughs> remember Rocky Four as because one forty next year. I think Rocky Four was eighty six, mm-hmm. so it was a few years after that. So I think yeah, Rocky Four would have been. But I also remember watching The Godfather way too young, yep. but because. You know, I like films, therefore I have to watch The Godfather. Yeah, so but probably Talia Shire would have been my entry point into the Coppola's without realising it, but yeah. When did you become aware that she was uh, a, a member of the Coppola family, would you say? Only recently, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, fairly recently. But like, this is only through listening to yourself. And yeah, I wasn't like... A, yeah, I wasn't aware until recently. It's it's crazy, right? Because like, when you look back, you go, "Oh, it makes sense. That's why she's in the Godfather." Jimmy, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. So, um, yeah, what? So, you, I think you've answered the second question, which would have been, "What would have been the first Talia Shire film you would have saw?" And it would have been Rocky Four, right? So, I, yeah, you would think Rocky Four. Did she make an impression on you in those films? Because I know, like, especially Rocky Four, she's she's almost like a different character to what you meet in the first Rocky, right? Yeah, so it, Rocky Four would have been the first one I watched. But then, obviously, since then, I've, like everyone has watched all the Rocky mm-hmm. films. And she is great. And we'll get into it. But she's she's pretty good in the film we're going we're gonna to talk about. Yeah. But, yeah, she's good. But, yeah, like, her character does change. But yeah, that the Rocky series is what I I know of her mm-hmm. in the in the main part. Yeah, uh, the, what I like about the character of Adrian in the Rocky series is that like she kind of like comes out of herself as the film goes on. The films go on, like so. I think like by that one, like or the fifth one, at least she's like she's really like taking no shit. She's standing up for Rocky. Like, do you know what I mean when like? There's yeah, the yeah, pressures she, to fight and stuff like that. She be, well, yeah, she becomes more of a character rather than just a service to the, the film in the first one. Yeah. She does 
a May character, a, a written character. <laughs> so she does develop. So let's talk about prophecy. Rob? Vic, what are you doing here? Listen to me. This paper company, the Pitney Mills Paper Company, bought the timber rights to 100,000 acres of forest in Maine. The Indians claim the land is theirs. I'm a doctor. And you know how to deal with human beings. The Indians are angry, and so is the lumber company. Everybody's ready to kill each other. People start disappearing. The Indians spread the word that uh, they were taken by Katahdin. That's one of their legends. I'm here to study the environment. My people are violently ill, and this has nothing to do with alcohol. My people are fishermen. Their lives are clean. I've seen children born dead. Born deformed. The end of this forest is the end of my people. Is that from Mercury? It was created by man. And it will mindlessly, mercilessly kill every living thing it meets. When did you first become aware of this film? Uh, we, we we talked off mic. Uh, uh, yeah, it'd be great to share your uh, confusion when it came to picking this film off the list I sent you. Yeah, I had a recollection of watching a film, Prophecy. <laughs> and I knew in the back of my brain I'd seen the film Prophecy, but it wasn't this Prophecy. It was The Prophecy with Christopher Walken, which is a very different film. <laughs> Yeah, so kind of like harbinger of the end of the world, like post-apocalyptic yeah. movie, right? Yeah, not this film. <laughs> <laughs> no. So when 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 did you first see this film? Um, about three days ago. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> first, watch, first time watch. Yeah. Were you a John Frankenheimer fan before? Before? Yeah, because funny enough, I bought um. Seconds, the film Seconds, really on Blu-ray because it'd been recommended quite a bit. So I watched that, and then I, I looked at John Frank, and it's surprising how many John Frank Frankenheimer films I knew. His filmography is patchy, <laughs> but he has made some great films. What's interesting about this one is the fact that they like. It's almost that John Frankenheimer felt like he needed to make a hit, and like they like pulled in, yeah, David Seltzer who had written The Omen. It's like kind of like, oh, that was a big hit. Let's get that guy to write us a film, and then just kind of like, I want to do a creature feature as well. Can you write a creature feature, mate? But also, I read that it was because it came out the same year as Alien, mm. and I was reading that. There was, I can't remember, there was a few critics who were saying it was going to trounce Alien at the box office. <laughs> this was a potential franchise starter, which obviously didn't didn't happen. Well, yeah, they, they they had the they had they had the moxie to try and tease it as well uh, with the the ending we get. Yeah. Here. So before we get too deep down talking about it, I always like to put people on the spot and ask them to kind of give a 
a brief synopsis of what happens in this movie. Okay. <laughs> well, it's a husband and wife. Um, well, there's a logger company which waste, which waste, which their waste may be mutating creatures. So the a husband and wife tend to look into it as such. <laughs> this, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the gist of it. <laughs> with Native Americans and some issue subplots. Yeah, so, so, so what, 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 one of the things that like confused me straight off the bat with this, and I think like um, Robert Robert Foxworth's character perfectly like kind of sums it up for the audience as well. When that guy approaches him, because obviously he's like this uh, doc, like on-call doctor who kind of yeah deals with like kind of people who are in like dire straits and stuff like that and you get that scene early on where he's like out in like the tenements do you know what I mean like attended to just like a rat bite and it's like fucking like you get that sense that like oh fucking like he's like he's dealing with some shit and then I don't one a big question I have is how did that guy know he was going to be there like do you know what I mean like, there's that first 10 minutes try to pack in a lot of <laughs> subplots and there's a lot of exposition. Like the whole Talia Shire thing. The, the opening, I really liked. Mm -hmm. It was good. And then Talia Shire's introduced and then they have the exposition. But yeah, I don't know how we knew he was there. The rap bite scene was odd. So, so to the point of that, like the actual intro to this film, as you said, is great. It's this, like what's well, like a search team kind of like fumbling about in the woods, trying mm -hmm. to trying to look for these lumberjacks that have gone missing, right? And then like you get that kind of them abseiling down into that ravine, and then like we dog off a cliff. Yeah, and we. I think if if I remember this correctly, you get like the sounds that there is something potentially there, and you get like the reveal of the bodies on the rocks, and it's all like gruesome. Yeah. The dogs, the dog goes off the cliff first. Yeah. Dog goes off the cliff, then they follow, and you do have that. You have that close in scream, and then the orchestral, which is, that was a bit of a weird choice. The orchestral music over the bodies, which was quite <laughs> gruesome as well. It was quite, and then you realise why the orchestral music is because we're going to be introduced to Talia Shire. Yeah, and you talk about like exposition dumps, like her introduction to this. It's very like full on straight away because it's like her... yeah. I mean, it kind of took me aback how full on and such an exposition that exposition dump it was on stage at an orchestra. Well, yeah, they're kind of packing up, and her her colleague kind of yeah. turns around to her like cellist number two, and turns around and goes, "He can't force you to have an abortion." And it's like, "What? This is the this is the yeah. first line dialogue we're having in this in this first, creature feature." First proper dialogue was, "Yeah, you can't force you to have an abortion," and she says, "Well, he's very busy all the time," and you think, "Oh, he's a busy man." Yeah, so. Yeah, straight away we're talking abortions. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's probably best 
that it happens at the beginning of this film because we don't have to dwell on it and have an awkward conversation us, uh, ourselves about it. But um, it, I just but it found can... it's a very jarring intro. Yeah, definitely. And it, yeah, it is jarring because I, well, yeah. But then also the the following scene is quite, yeah, there's a lot in those 10 minutes. We go from that to, I'm not sure if this is like the Indians as they keep getting referred to, or the OPs. Yep. And then we go to the ghetto. Uh, that's what it's described. The ghetto. It's a lot Yeah. in so, the opening. So I've got a clip from uh, the, like, the, the ghetto section when, um, yeah, Rob, I, I believe his character's name's Rob as well. It's Rob and Maggie, isn't it, the, the couple? So yeah, when when the, this kind of company stooge comes to comes to chat to him, and you get this great thing that uh, Robert Foxworth does perfectly in this, it's just like he plays like like annoyed really well, and I just wanted to play this clip that really captures that. I think that's most of the clips I've got actually. It's just every time that Robert Foxworth is outraged at something, but check this one out. No, I'll write a report here. No one will read. I'll file a lawsuit against a landlord that'll be settled out of court. Send that baby to the hospital for a couple of days so he can come back here and be eaten by rats again. I feel like I'm banging my head up against a wall. I don't think anybody's listening. You want to know something? If I could have planned your side of this conversation, I couldn't have done it better. So that's when we kind of get this proposition and we get another exposition dump that the the natives and the timber company are kind of at, pun intended, loggerheads as to what to do about the situation that's going on in the woods, right? Yeah. And then obviously we head off to the woods and the paper mill, which the first, that all happens really quickly. Mm-hmm. It happens. There's not much discussion between. It happens. She takes her cello with her. I, I don't know why, but she does. She <laughs> takes her cello. With her. And yeah, you meet um, the boss of the who I can't think of the, from the thing. Yes, right, it? it is. Um, um, it's Dysat. Uh, that's his. Uh, I've got his name written down right here. Yeah, I know the guy you talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Is, it is your man from the thing. He's your man who's um, running the paper mill. Mm-hmm. And then they are really quickly there. And then we start. Yeah. One of the scenes we get as well, and it's another, like, so we get introduced to the, like, native people, and their kind of, like, quote-unquote leader is John Hawks, like, played by Armand Asante, who is, for all intents and purposes, a very, like, European mediterranean looking man <laughs> yeah that whole yeah it's quite it was quite from the from that moment with the 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 ops as again they keep referring to him as in his, and he's obviously not native american mm-hmm. yeah and that when we meet them again a lot happens in that scene so I've got that. I've got that scene. If, if it's the one you're talking about, the, uh, yeah, this. Don't let this happen. Are you going to 
Kind of get a glimpse there into Leonard Rosenman's score as well. Like the kind of like that is kind of frantically going like wee, wee, all the time and stuff like that. Like kind of really ramping up the tension. But um let's kind of uh, yeah, let's let let's discuss this a bit. What do you think of the portrayal of native people in this film? It's difficult because it's as you say, he's obviously not Native American and but actually, as I th- as it goes on, the portrayal is not... I was worried when I first saw it. I thought, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's not... Te- it's, yeah, I, I, it's okay. But I, I was concerned, especially given that first... Uh, the expedition up to the beginning with the girl scene, which is pretty bad. <laughs> I think we can say that's pretty get bad. Then I, I, yeah, there was concerns it was going to be problematic. Yeah, I, I think, I think the plot is very sympathetic to the native people, and like, yeah, it doesn't fall into the traps of having like a ma- like magical native people or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it kind of it, it did. When, it, when I lined up at the at the cross and with the chair. I thought this is where we're going to go. I thought we were going to have the whole mystic thing and the but it didn't it was like you say it was pretty sympathetic yeah yeah and and it well very much you you quickly learn as well that we are like on the side of like robert foxworth and talia shire and the native people and it is kind of like this film very much shows as as we've as as is still the case now that the white man is the devil <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We learn that. Pre- that's one thing. That scene sets that up with the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. I, I did worry there was going to be an axe chain. Not worry. I would have been all for it. An axe <laughs> chainsaw battle, which didn't happen. But <laughs> yeah, I, we quickly learn which side we're on. One of the things we get uh, around the time when they're in, like at the woods is we're introduced to um, Chekhov's. Uh, family who are going camping as well like and, and yes. you, you know immediately when that kid's like we're going camping we're gonna sleep out in the woods it's like you're yeah. going to die yeah and the the dad does that there's that moment where the dad stops mm-hmm. and looks there's something wrong with these woods yeah Don't back no let's keep going so we know they were yeah we all know why they were there well, we get we get a few like misdirections as well because we get that moment with John Hawks when he's like, um, so like Rob had like has caught that like ridiculously big fish for dinner and they're co- oh, they're, yeah. they're cooking that salmon <laughs> jumping is awful. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the salmon jump, the big salmon. I thought if this is this is the effects we have to come, this is going to be an absolute treat, and it didn't prove me wrong. <laughs> well, like 
Yeah, because in, in that moment, like when they're outside, like yeah, you get that shot of uh, John Hawks outside of the cabin, kind of like staring very like mysteriously, yeah. and like again with like the films like leading you to be like, oh, is he potentially like in cahoots with Katardin? Do you know what I mean like is this thing yeah, of like? Do, do they summon Katardin to do their bidding or something like that? You get that sense because, like you said, the score brings that in as well. Yeah, there's a mystery, but yeah. Um, so one of like one of the key like key scenes I love in this is when uh, Rob and Maggie go to the paper mill. And like he's like Rob's asking questions to like the kind of foreman about what is actually going into the water. Um, yeah, check this out. Your question. Well, I'm answering your question. You're responsible for whatever everyone goes out of this plant. You hire the contractors. You sell the product. You're accountable for what, whatever goes on here. Now, just uh, how 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 many pages in this report you're going to write? I ask you a question. Now let me ask you a question. How many pages? A hundred? How many copies? A thousand, maybe? I want to know what chemicals you're using. We're talking about a hundred thousand pieces of paper just for your report. Am I far off? Huh? And a, how, how, how many sheets of paper are those other filing cabinets in Washington? You're not answering me. I am answering you. Now, I supply, but you demand. You're responsible, too. Now, unless you want to start filling your filing cabinets with rocks and wiping your nose with cactus... I want to know what you soaked the logs in. What chemical? None. I don't believe that. Well, well, then you take water samples. That's what we do. Yes, sir. Now, look. If those logs were soaked in chemicals, it would squeeze out in the pumping process right under the watershed in front of this plant. Now, we test that water every 10 days, and there's not a damn thing floating out there that we don't know about or anything that's harmful to the environment. Now, excuse me, Mrs. Barrett. Go on. Go test the water. we got nothing to hide. This feels like a perfect time to talk about Robert Foxworth, what do you make of his performance in this film? I really liked him. I liked him. I think he was channeling some Kurt Russell of Thing energy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that vibe about him. Pre the, pre Kurt Russell as well. Maybe Kurt Russell was channeling Robert Foxworth. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah, I I liked him. I, I, I thought him and Tyler Show good. Yeah. I really liked him. And especially when he was like the clip we've just heard, uh, when he was angry, yeah. when he was angry, I, he really. I, I I love his kind of like man on a mission, like kind of like I don't because he's he's kind of be, be caught between two fawns, isn't he? Because he's like yeah. he's just trying to find the truth, and he's like a man, like and it it, it alludes a bit to that kind of seventies vibe of like I don't know stuff like. It's not a seventy minute, but like blowout, or even like, uh, like the conversation where there's like a conspiracy, like a, a foot, and somebody's like, "I just want some goddamn answers." Like that's the kind of like energy that Robert Foxworth yeah. brings to it. You had that bit again in the in with the rat bite scene where it was kind of introduced that he may be a doctor, but he could be a badass. Yeah, because he said. Um, she said, maybe, maybe, maybe I put him in the hospital. And then he said, I'd like to put him in the hospital too. <laughs> He's got a badass side. Yeah. It'll, 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 it'll fucking write you a prescription, but it'll also put you in a headlock if you give him any shit. Yeah. yeah. 
I got yeah, a lot yeah. of time. I got a lot of time for Robert Foxworth in this film. Um, so you mentioned the effects as well and the massive salmon. I guess we need to talk about the massive tadpole, right? What did you make oh, of that reveal? Tadpole, <laughs> the, which they even refer to as it's a tadpole. It's it, I think if you say it's massive, <laughs> it's big. It, it, yeah, that's our. Then we really know that things are going wrong in the woods. The massive ta- it's a, a tadpole's a, a strange choice as well. Yeah. A massive tadpole. I, I don't quite understand the logic that, like, some things just get massive and yeah. other things go fucking cuckoo bananas. Do you know what I mean? Like, salmon yeah. go massive. Some things go, like you say, mutated, <laughs> which will get ugly, like, awful looking. Yeah, the salmon was just massive. And the tadpole was just massive. Yeah. But I assume if the tadpole was massive, the frogs are going to be huge. Yeah, that's a trick they've missed there. I yeah, I would have liked, you know, like, oh, that's a big tadpole. Check out the fucking massive frog. <laughs> the frog. Yeah. So, so that's when we're like introduced to the like. The, we get a bit we get introduced to like more of the like native people so we have like ramona played by um victoria Rami, uh uh racimo and we get the older gentleman as well who's kind of like he seems to know like that's the vibe you get from him. he's like oh let me tell you about katardan yeah the yeah that's the, that's the, the slipping into the like the mystic natives where he is the elder they refer to him as the elder and he knows of the um the myth of katardan yeah katardan i think it is katardan yeah unless yeah I, unless i've uh, got that completely wrong um so when they obviously after the paper mill we get the moment where like rob starts to realize what the fuck could be going on i believe him why? Why would he have offered to let you test the water? Maybe it wasn't in the water. Huh? Maybe it's heavier than water. That silvery stuff on your boot. Is it dry? Yes. They gave us a trick question in medical school. What's the only liquid in the world that isn't wet? What was the answer? <laughs> so anyone listening to this the the way that scene is played out as well so obviously you heard the like music swelling it might as well be that robert foxworth just like kind of like has his head arched down and as he delivers that line like looks up towards camera like the shit has hit the fan everybody it's like that's the big moment right when you're like fuck yeah, Mercury. Yeah. It's a big degree of Mercury. Have we, at this point, of the have we, has the raccoon been involved? The raccoon has been involved, yeah. So we got we, the kind of like... Which, yeah, uh, that 
was one of my favorite things in the film. <laughs> the rap. Like again, it the logic behind it, because that was just a raccoon. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a giant raccoon, a mutated raccoon. It was just an angry raccoon. Yeah. Ended up being killed with an oar and a fire. <laughs> but yeah, to get because uh, that set that he wants the rack. Does it, am I right in thinking he ha- wants the raccoon tested? Well, yeah, he kind of he, he kind of wants to test everything, doesn't he? Like now, it, now he's like hell bent on testing the water once he realizes the mercury, like there's mercury in there. And I don't know about you, but like, is mercury a mutagen? Like that that they kind of talk about. I'm not. I'm. I, I don't know my science very well, but I was a bit when he said like mercury. I was like uh, mercury. Oh. I know it's not good, but like I don't think it's I don't remember it ever being a thing. Yeah. They mutate things. Does it? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I remember I don't like mercury, don't put a thermometer in your mouth. The mercury because in school if it breaks, it'll be bad for you. Yeah. I don't think it would turn into a t- giant tadpole. I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think it's a I don't remember it being a mutating. When when we get that like reveal that there is like a mutagen in the water, like it obviously like and what it's doing to everything, it brings about possibly one of the most like devastating revelations you could get in a film, and it's perfectly conveyed on Talia Shire's face because she knows she's pregnant. He doesn't know she's pregnant, and we know she's pregnant, and it's just like your stomach falls out the bottom of your ass. Yeah, yeah, and 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 by now she's eaten the salmon. Yeah, the salmon, because there's that conversation. Yeah, about it's in the fish, and <laughs> she is this. Is this the point they have the conversation where she says, um, "How much fish would you have to eat?" So. <laughs> yeah, and he's only a small amount, and you think, ah, oh, no, I, yeah, I thought that's where, for a while. I thought because the tadpole's giant, I thought, here we go, this is going to be a thing. But there's a bear instead. Let's, yeah, we're going to be ju- jumping about here, but like, I kind of want to just pull the thread on the like baby subplot because I feel like it's something that just. Well, it's not resolved, right? No, at all. It to me, it felt like maybe that was something that was. I don't. I whether it was in the script, which was made more of because you. I constantly thought we'd had the, you know, the. It was hinted at that this was it was going to be a big thing. Yeah, I thought maybe maybe the. I don't know whether she accelerate the birth and she's gonna i don't know a giant tadpole i don't know but i thought there was going to be more something but it doesn't really come to anything we we never know yeah and it 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 poses a very like interesting moral conundrum like and it kind of like it's almost becomes a message movie on the idea I don't know of a yeah of abortion and that kind you know like where very progressive yeah. for its time you know like when people like now they can 
this is very very different because like it is potentially like a mutant like a, no, and i'm not talking yeah, yeah. about like no, no. potentially a giant tadpole yeah or so, like yeah and uh, yeah and it's it's not like it's not going to be like uh, going to go to professor xavier's school so no, it's not we're not that, going X Men. Yeah, and, and, uh, but like it, it, it poses that thing of, you know, like when people could do tests to find out, like, is their kid going to be born with any disabilities and stuff like that. It kind of like flirts with that idea and like quite progressive for 1979. But then, yeah, like, yeah, and it sets up as it says, like the first the the, the first bit of dialogue we get is all about the pregnancy, and then like. It just leaves you empty at the end because it's like, why didn't you like resolve this? Yeah, that's why I absolutely thought, and even, yeah, that's why I absolutely thought that because it was our first bit of dialogue, mm -hmm. proper, well, first bit of like exposition, and like I, we know it's going to be an issue, so they're going to deal with issues because you kind of get that sense from that conversation. Like you say, it doesn't really come to anything whether it's just just be an added bit of tension and stuff but i got the feeling there, there may have been or potentially would have been more of that that kind of just didn't happen even the original poster mm -hmm. which day, the prophecy is like a bear kind of thing mm -hmm. and it looks like it's in like an egg or jimmy so i, I I wasn't sure if that was yeah it's gone been swept aside and they've just gone well actually no let's focus on the the bear well because we get like so yeah to kind of like break it down into a few scenes that kind of deal with it we get the reveal later on in the film when she kind of says to him like but i'm pregnant do you know what i mean like and yeah. the way he handles it is fucking terrible considering he's like supposed to be He's like portrayed to be this empathetic guy. He like and, and yeah. He suggests to kill it, right? He's like, yeah. His, his suggestion is, well, we've got to kill it. We've got to kill it, Maggie. And it's like, and then that is genuinely the last we ever hear of the baby. And yeah. when you get that, when we got that like scene right at the end, which again feels massively redundant when. She's in a hospital bed. I thought there yeah. would be some like I'm not sure. How did you read that kind of moment? Yeah, I I was thinking we were like we were going there was where there was going to be a, a tease for a sequel or we were going to have something because like you say that is it that conversation regarding that is pretty much it until the hospital bed and like I. I was half expecting maybe, you know, the uh, David Cronenberg with the fly, the dream sequence, mm -hmm. maybe something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't come to anything. Yeah, or or like I don't know. I don't know if there was like a few added seconds where like he like mentions like oh, on like I don't know like do you know what I mean the doctor said yeah, like, yeah. it's not like you lot like it's it's not good or whatever or I don't know some kind of like full stop on it, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it turns out you weren't pregnant. Like, it was all like, wait, you're all right. Yeah, some, yeah, some kind of closure to that, that storyline thread. But it is, because 
I know there was a lot of cuts to bring it down because apparently I know I read that Frankenheimer blamed a lot of the failure. I read that he blamed a lot of the failings of the film on his alcohol intake at the time. I think he was heavily in with in drink, but also there is always it was heavily cut and to bring it down to it, I'm not sure the rating. But whether I wonder whether some of those cuts were part of that. Yeah. So that's I lost. Is it? I mean, there's 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 cuts that could have been made rather than that. Like, yeah. Well, it's got it's it's got a very saggy middle, right? Like so. They they, I know we're jumping about, but the because we we do need to get to the bear, but the the <laughs> that scene is in the tunnel. Yes. Yeah. It is incredibly strange. It takes way too long, and there are so many close-ups of eyes. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's, it, it, it felt like it was a scene that was put into a film to make it longer, but we know it's not a short film, and it was already cut. It, it's just a really weird moment that is because it goes. It almost plays like something from like Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Too long. It just becomes funny. <laughs> They're not funny. They're funny again. And then you go, actually, what is going on here? Because it constantly on, on the close-ups of eyes. Yeah. The like and the thing is after that mo after that moment as well, like it's kind of them just on a mad scramble to try and like get out of it. It kind yeah. of that's when it kind of sags. And it's only in like literally the last five minutes after that that it kind of ramps back up again. But obviously before that we get the and again it's what like close to an hour the hour mark when we even get introduced to the the monster of the whole movie 58 minutes <laughs> 58 minutes before and before we're introduced to yeah the creature but i mean as introductions go it's one of my favorites yeah yeah do you, like have the honors. Tell us about this this absolutely scene stealing performance that we get. Well, uh, I again, I Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. The the so the creature. We finally see the creature, which is um, a bear like creature. It looks more like a giant one of those skinless cats. Yeah. This it looks yeah it looks like. Yeah, one of those giant skinless cats as, I don't know, fuck the giant pepper army. It's a real <laughs> mess. And then it attacks the family we've seen earlier, which we kind of knew they were going to be in trouble. Cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah, they were absolute fodder. And then one, <laughs> one of the children, the, the, I think it's the boy, is it? Yeah. yeah, the boy, zipped up, just his face poking out of his nice little um, yellow sleeping bag. And he... What a choice to have him try and hop away. <laughs> hop away. And then our our big pepper army man, Bear, <laughs> slaps him. So he spins and hits a rock and just explodes in feathers. <laughs> it, it's glorious. It's, I, I'd be, yeah, I've watched that. Since I watched the DVD, yeah, the, watched the film yesterday, I've watched that scene, I would say, ten times. It's... It's it's fantastic, and yeah, you mentioned the 
Pepper Army monster. They referred to it. I know that uh, Tom McLaughlin, one of the performers who's like a mime, who was one of three performers who was inside, like one of the bear costumes they had. Because one was the predator, wasn't it? The man who was in the predator, is that right? Yeah, so Kevin Peter Hall would do like any of the shots that were the full-size creature, because I think he was like this hulking, like seven-foot-one guy. And then on top of that, they put like him on stilts as well. So like the bear would be massive. But then for like one of the like suits that was more close up, they had this mime guy. Like, yeah, Tom McLaughlin was a mime, so he could get the, the physicality of it. But like even then, you've got these like great talents do you know what i mean like kevin peter hall like is fantastic in predator he's fantastic in harry and the hendersons as well he played harry in yep. that like and you yep. get that like great physical performance whereas in this it looks like they're just constricted under this like suit I don't think it would be unfair to say that the, the bear pepper army is shit. <laughs> <laughs> they referred to it as the pizza bear because they said it looked like a melted pizza. Like, you know, kind of like, yeah. Like... Mate, perfect. I mean, yeah, like you said, there's no, there's no, it just, it's real lumbering and there's no, there's no movement to it. it yeah, it's a choice. So let's, let's name and shame the effects artist on this. That is Tom Berman is the 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 effects artist uh on this who would like would go on to do some some interesting stuff which we'll get into a bit later but like yeah like the the creature and i know it isn't their original idea because they wanted to lean a lot more into the katahdin thing because the the um description we get from like the elder gentleman is like Yeah, we get the description, don't we? Yeah, where it's like... It's not what we see. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the description is, like, it's a lot more like a hybrid of different animals that will, like, yeah. have, like, the gills of a fish and this. Yeah, and, and the, a dragon is <laughs> the size <laughs> of a dragon. I did... The size of a dragon, yeah, and it, it... Like you say, it's a hybrid of creatures and obviously mythical creatures as well. The but, yeah, that... The decision to what we ended up with is odd. Yeah, it's it, it it looks like a kind of well, it just looks like a a bear that half of it's like been like melted. That's it. Yeah, it, look, it it moves and looks like a melting waxwork of a bear, <laughs> or like like an animatronic yeah. from Disneyland is like malfunctioned yeah. and caught on fire. Been in an awful fire, yeah. Kind of, and it moves it like I. You could outrun it, yeah, because it don't move very quick. It lumber. <laughs> <laughs> it can't turn. His it, neck doesn't work. Yeah, so it's it's rubbish. Unfortunately, oh, you mentioned why we didn't see it for an hour. Mm-hmm. Maybe we were and. But then saying that, in the, you do see, if they if they had had the feeling that maybe it wasn't the greatest, we do see it a lot then. Yeah. We yeah. Do, yeah, in the last 40 minutes, we see a lot of it. 
I think the choice to to hold it back is more of that thing of taking cue from Jaws, isn't it? Where it's like tease the audience with like something is something's something's out there, but like we're not entirely sure. Do you know what I mean? We're not gonna we're not gonna blow our load and let you know straight off the bat. Like, yeah, because the, the opening is very Jaws, mm-hmm. almost cold opening with the. It's really similar to the opening of Jaws. Yeah. So yeah, that holding it back. But then Spielberg did have the sense to even when we do reveal it to like maybe not show it so much. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me like the the Katahdin, the bear, yeah, the pizza bear coming through the water and stuff. It really looks bad. <laughs> yeah. but then like the, the, the idea that they some people were championing and thinking it was going to be you know it was going to batter alien at the box office this was going to be a i mean what did they what what were they going to do with that creature yeah yeah because like so you, you yeah you've mentioned about it like battering uh Alien at the box office. So the budget for this, well, it washed its face. So the budget was twelve million dollars, and it it grossed twenty two point seven million. But I guess with like budget, like with uh, marketing and stuff like that, that's probably like, do you know what I mean like? Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's it's not great. You know? It's not a runaway success that Alien was. No, not at all. It because yeah. it was. I know it was. It was the title was the prophecy the monster movie yeah and then they because it's not the monster movie <laughs> it's a monster movie it, definitely no it's not the monster movie <laughs> quite a long shot um so one of the things they find it gets like there's some choices made in this like both on story and by characters that i am confounded by one of them is when they find, I guess, what would be like a baby mutant bear oh, yeah. in, in the water. And they decide what's the best idea is we're now going to look after this and try and get blood samples. Yeah, because they find, they, find, they find two. Don't, yeah. There's one dead. And she, Talia Shire says, there's one alive. One's alive. So, yeah, they decide to take a blood But that, that, again, I don't. I wonder if there was more to that because there's that scene where she's, when they're in the tunnels, she's cradling it like a baby. She's almost looking after it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is odd because then it randomly decides to eat her neck. But yeah, I, again, I think there was possibly, we were going to, there was more to the parental yeah, yeah. story. Because it was hints of it, like that whole thing of taking the baby, <laughs> the baby pizza bit, <laughs> and they end up sort of looking after it because they do want blood samples, but then they keep it alive, and it, it makes that absolutely horrendous noise, which it genuinely was quite creepy. The only creepy thing in the film was yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that kind of like... It was awful. I haven't got a yeah, of it. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> um, but again, I think they that hinted at, because it was a baby, and... I, again, I was assuming from that we were going to have more of the pregnancy thing, but we didn't. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre. Like so, 
what about the kills in this film? Is it is it satisfying on that level that we get some good kills? Obviously, we've, we've talked about the absolute pinnacle of kills, but like the other kills we get in it. Um, I, once the, like you once you reach that height of the sleeping bag kill, it's difficult to come. There's yeah. The sleeping bag kill is so well. I say good. <laughs> <laughs> it's memorable, um, well, at least. Do you know what I mean? It's, you're gonna yeah, be like, it's great because I'm absolutely gonna watch it again. <laughs> like, and I'm gonna say to people, you, you, you've got to see this because I, I, I sorry to go bar on it again, but it's the flip of the sleeping bag. <laughs> it completely spins yeah. and and doesn't like smack in a gory way. It goes. In feathers, absolutely, what a choice. <laughs> but, yeah, the rest of the kills, um, yeah, they're decent. I mean, they, towards the end, when it all starts really kicking off with with Pizza Bear, yeah, it's, and it doesn't, it's not, I think it was probably more gory. Mm-hmm. I think, rather, I think by, this, by reading things, it went for that. It, they were kind of pushed in the direction of the Jaws model, yeah. where they wanted to, which was going to, you know, for all markets. So I think it probably was more. Because weirdly, the beginning, those bodies and stuff, sets up a real gory film. Yeah. Like, that's quite graphic with them. Um, he's smashed against the rocks and there's eyes hanging out. And you think, oh, oh it's gonna... but it doesn't really until the end. Yeah. So slap and, yeah, there's a lot of clawing of things, but not. Even when we get uh, Richard Dysart's like death, when he's like trying to get underneath that fence, you know, like when he's like that, like just cuts, like you kind of get him, like the bear, the pizza bear's gonna get him, and then it's like, and then like cuts to, yeah, cuts to the other guys kind of just like far arsing around in the woods, just kind of like. Going, oh, we can't, we can't use the helicopter, and we're just gonna like kind of wander about for a day, and then like Hawk comes back and says, "Oh, I found, I found this like all-terrain vehicle. We can get to the nearest town in, and stuff like that." Like, yeah, as I there said, there is one decent jump scare though. Mm-hmm. It's a re, it's a quiet in the all-terrain vehicle because mm-hmm. again, it misdirects you all when then. Pizza Bear comes, and it's a it's a good yeah. good jump, but that is the only. It's definitely not a scary film. As that's the only jump, but it, like you say, the, the the gore and it's really dialed back from that first. Yeah, that it's going to be a gory creature feature. Like I don't know, but yeah, it, it again. I think that, that's more of the cuts that were possibly made well it's obviously like you can like now that you've mentioned the cut you can see things where it's like there are gaping holes and like obviously this has got like a beautiful restoration by eureka like it looks like the new blu-ray looks fantastic it's just the thing of like um yeah like I, i imagine somewhere out there there's some film canisters that have got like some of this missing footage because you get like that moment when they're on like the shore and the the elder kind of like just gives up basically to 
to Katar, um, and he's kind of gone Katarden, Katarden. And I almost expected like a look between them or a moment where like it seems like, and this probably would where it would like teeter into the mystic native person territory, but like almost like a fake out where it's like, oh, he's managed to like get to the humanity of the beast. And then it like, and then you get that like, no, actually, fuck you. Like, I'm going to kill you. Because I absolutely thought that's where I was going. Yeah. Because it there's that weird, yeah, like a split second where, you, like you said, that is happening. Because I thought they, that, because the bear stops doing the noise, there's <laughs> like a silence. And I thought, oh, this is what's going to happen. He's going to, but we don't see anything. And then we cut to them crossing the water. They look back and he's flailing about yeah. in the mouth. Yeah, it's it's just fucking crazy, isn't it? And then, like, when they get to the other side of the water, it's just that thing. It it really suffers from um, like slap, like slasher victim itis in the fact of like they get to the other side of the water on the jetty, like just about to get to the cabin, and they're just looking back at yeah, the yeah. beast, and it's like. Get the fuck out of there. Don't like don't fart ass around in the water. She says she says, it's coming. Yeah. Oh, I mean, again, that bear, pizza bear coming through the water is and the, the size percent perspective keeps changing as well. Because how <laughs> tall they swam, how tall is the bear now? Yeah. Into the water. But then it's, at the moment they've gone, it's drowned. It's drowned. You feel like saying, oh, come on. You know it's not drowned, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's that thing as well. It's, there's a missed opportunity for something a lot more explosive as opposed to just all of a sudden you just see blah, 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 a few bubbles on the top <laughs> of the water. It's like, I expected that bear to just like smash through that jetty, grab one of them. like instead. Yeah, you expect like the, there's none of those. The one, but like that, that jump scare in with the ultra um, vehicle is more a music cue than a uh-huh. big jump. The, the beasts jumping because there's. I think that's down to the design of the creature because I don't think it could do any of that because yes. it, it, it lumbers about. They, I don't think there's a physicality like you say for that crashing through things. It never, yeah. It just appears and maybe brushes some brushes some trees aside to get somewhere. Well, you, you say that, but like when they like barricade themselves in the cabin, which we oh. realise pretty quickly is futile because all of a sudden, like the the pizza bear like just rips the fucking roof off, <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? Like how? And again, it's that thing of perspective. Like how big is it? Like because it's like lumbering over them yeah and like when when he first sees the claws it it would be the slash marks i mean it walks through this yeah it's it's not good is it well i do we'll get on to it we'll get on to how how we'll score this in a minute but um what like (laughs) What do you make of this kind of final showdown that they have with Pizza Bear? Part of it are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until 
the um, our, our hero doctor decides he proper stabs her in the eye. Lovely stuff. We have a real bit of gore there because yeah. you get blood. Lovely, but I'm not sure why he decided to jump into the quite obviously the water and jump on the quite obviously rubber bear and then continue to stab it for quite a while. And it looks again, it looks it's quite obviously a rubbish dummy. <laughs> I think there's some really weird choices of obviously of cuts or things they've decided to keep because. That looks real. The, the 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 fight looks all right. Yeah. It, but then it's the after when he yeah when he keeps stabbing in the water. I, it looks terrible. I I love I love Hawk's death. Again, it's it's another like kind of very like considering like I don't know it's it's yeah it's in like the last two minutes of the film like he's managed to get a few arrows off at it and it's like that. You think like oh, maybe he's done a good job, and then again he just gets like twatted the same <laughs> way that that kid in the sleeping bag does, and you see like again like a dummy of him just like fling through the air, and then we get a close up of him looking all haggard. Yeah, he's got a slash marks on his face. Yeah, but like I think that this these the, the slapping off it, just slapping everyone so they fly through the air. Is possibly because I don't think that the creature or the design of the creature could fight in any way. Yes. So they just had to make do with it, just slapping th- people into rocks. <laughs> yeah. The fight. Fi- yeah, the final showdown's all right, but I, yeah, it again. I think it suffers from that. It suffers from the, the creature. Mm-hmm. And the whole film, that whole final last 40 minutes suffers from the creature being so terrible. Well, yeah, and I think that is what these films kind of win and lose on, right? If if you're a creature yeah. feature, make the creature either good, like really good, or follow the Jaws model. Really, yeah. like, don't, like, don't show it. And I think that's why that film has stood the test of time. And is kind of like revered as one of the best films of all time. Is that like Steven Spielberg had the foresight to be like, you know what? We've seen the animatronic shark. It looks shit. So let's it's let's rub- figure out a way around it. Yeah, yeah. And people are gonna know it's a rubber shark. Like it, there's not there wasn't a moment of threat of this pizza bear. Because I reckon one solid kick from behind, it would have fallen over. <laughs> It, it, yeah, there's no, there was, yeah, that's where it absolutely falls well. Because some there are there are bits which are because John Frankenheimer can direct. Like mm-hmm. I say, he's got a is he's got a Apache filmography, but he he's an interesting director. Like like I said about that second, it's a real interesting film, and he's done some interesting stuff, done some terrible stuff, but he he can direct. But he, again, I interview read that he said you know he was deep in alcohol at that point and whether that is a reason there are shoddy choices i don't know but yeah it just falls apart in that last hour because the creature is so terrible Mm -hmm. that is where it falls apart yeah definitely which is a shame because yeah like i say they are they are there's there's the there is the seed of a seed of a good idea 
yeah. of an interesting thing. And they, they, keep, they, they keep hinting at these interesting things that may come to something that never do. And then we end up with shit bay. <laughs> and then, like, again, it kind of ends in, like, a very anticlimactic manner in the fact that, like, they, like it's just, like, yeah, he stabs the bear and then they're flown <laughs> out of the woods. That's basically it, right? Yeah, and it, well, well, we get the tease. Yes. Of the, but we've got the tease of another shit, mate. Yeah, yeah, and that that's the thing. It's in broad daylight as well, isn't it? So it's like, yeah. oh, there's yeah. no, there's no hiding it. No, it, in broad daylight, doing like a the noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it mind you i say this i would absolutely have watched the sequel oh definitely yeah 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 yeah. yeah. i'm not it's, it's the bear is terrible but i had a good time with it mm-hmm. so i'd watch the sequel even with the the new the new shit bit so now we come to the point of the podcast where we rate the film and the way we do it over here is by talking about the perfect wine pairing for the film because those coppolas they bloody love their wine. So what, for you, Will, would be the perfect wine pairing for Prophecy? Well, I was thinking the mid-range, mm-hmm. like, like a Merlot, because something that wants to be like full-bodied and classy, but actually <laughs> it's a bit shit. You know, it, it's fine. You yeah. can, why you drink it, it's all right, but then it's not what it wants to be. Yeah, it gets the job done. I think that's very much what this film does. It's fine. I've I've had the bottle. I could consider another one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd actually also fall asleep and forget about it as well. But yeah, it, it's that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's a mid-range, nice label, lovely label. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard a lot of good things about the uh, the winery as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, oh, it's a good, yeah, it's a good, a good winery. That one, yeah, yeah. Have a have a go. Oh, it won it won the uh, an award. Oh, it's got a, it's got a gold stamp on it. Lovely, we'll have it. <laughs> it is what it is. Perfect. So um, I think you've kind of answered that, but it, yeah, is it a bottom shelf, mid shelf, or top shelf wine? I mean, I suppose it's mid shelf because it has. It's. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that is the thing. Yep. It's a mid shelf wine because I enjoyed it. I probably, if I it was Friday night and I wanted a cheap fix i'd probably buy it again <laughs> like yeah i wasn't yeah it was fine but yeah it's not it's not terrible it's it's not a terrible film yeah the, the, that's what i was gonna say despite all my like um i don't know like jibes at it and kind of like poking fun at it there is a lot to still be enjoyed in it i think like the robert foxworth performance that kind of like Tony Shire's great in it. Yeah, th- those two are great, and it's almost like yeah. that thing of it, it, if it was just like a ecological political thriller, it would it, like like all of that element of it is fucking. Do you know what I mean? If it was like that, 
if it was if you it's a creature feature that would be better without the creature. Yeah, 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 yeah. If if this was given so, to like De Palma, do you know what I mean? And it was yeah. a bit more like what the fuck is going on? Well, funny you say the Palma thing because the bit in the the tunnel I said about that was quite De Palmery anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like if it had been that the conspiracy they were trying to find out, and it was the Mercury, and we didn't have the frog spawn. <laughs> oh no, sorry, the hole and the that stuff going on. Yeah, it's the bits of it are really good. But unfortunately, it's a creature feature that falls apart as soon as the creature comes into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, like, well, would you would you recommend people if they like? Obviously, we've sport it for them, but like, would you like? Would you recommend people check it out? Oh, fuck yeah! yeah. Just even for the for the sleeping bag. Yeah, 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 definitely. You, there's loads to there's loads to enjoy in it. Uh, I mean, I. I liked it. I'll probably buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, I've and... like I've I've got to say this. I'm not I'm not a company stooge. I haven't been paid to say this, but like I've got to say, and, and I'm just oh, oh, like really chuffed because it's the first company who I've contacted for like a a press screening of a Blu-ray have sent it to me. But the Eureka release of this is great. Like it's kind of, like it's got some great oh, interviews I... and like the the picture and sound on the on the film looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, I, I say about that tunnel scene, like the tunnel scene is odd, but the actual, it looks amazing. It really does. It's so it, it's so clear and crisp. But yeah, the, the release is amazing. I, I, yeah, I will. I, <laughs> I, I, because it's my, I love a, a B-movie creature feature. They, that's like I buy a lot of Arrow and I've got seconds on you. So like, yeah, I'll, buy it because i'll definitely watch it again yeah it's, it's shocky I, yeah right yeah but it's, it's one i could say to a few few beers or and say i've got a film you you've got to see the the bear you've got to see the sleeping back that kind of film yeah, so yeah. i absolutely recommend people because it's not it does what it does and it does it fine it's just a shame that the <laughs> shit <laughs> Well, that's perfect. Yeah, I think I think you summed it up perfectly there. Um, another thing we like to do on this podcast, where we wrap stuff up as well, is see if there was any Coppola connections. So, were there anyone who worked on the film who have worked with another Coppola family member somewhere down the line? Did you manage to find any? Will well, no. Well, it's it's a connection of sorts. It's quite tenuous, but it does link up. All right, so, yeah, I have it. Yeah. So, um, John Frackenheimer. Yep. Right, Fra- right. let's start. Francis Ford Coppola. Yep. Brand- mm-hmm. Frankenheimer directed Brando in Island of Dr. Moreau, which was another creature feature, which is terrible. <laughs> That's the connection I've made. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. I love it. I'll... I'll- I'll run through a few. Um, it's tenuous, but I'm having it. I'll run through a few boring but like direct connections that I really yeah. had to dig for on this one. I really had to kind of. I did try look into the the people who worked in like costume <laughs> and do you know what I mean like 
stuff like that to find some links. Uh, the top one might be my favourite. Bob Tenhoon was Carl Kovic in Wild at Heart, but his scenes were deleted. Uh, so I love that. He was in the film, good. but he's not in the film. Um, I kind of wish the tadpole was a coppler. That would have been... <laughs> That would have been amazing. Uh, the editor of this, Tom Wolf, was uh, the editor of Wind Talkers as well, the uh, John Woo, Nicolas Cage film from 2002, I want to say. Um, and then, yeah, the set direct, the set decorator worked on The Cotton Club, which was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, and All the President's Men, which was scored by David Shire. And then, I don't know. Yeah, let's run through the our man, our man of the moment, your best mate, Tom Berman, the effects artist, worked on City of Angels as uh, the makeup effects artist. Not that I, I don't really remember any makeup. In, maybe, I don't know, make Cage look a Ma bit more angel-like. And uh, Con Air as well. He did these special makeup effects in Con Air. Again, I'm not really sure. Maybe what's happening with him is they're saying, look, come on. You can be <laughs> the makeup, but just don't do any makeup, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you can... We'll some... give you a credit. <laughs> put stuff away. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he did some additional makeup work on The Godfather Part free so make of that what you will maybe hold it up al pacino put that talcum powder in his hair <laughs> i'd love it if they kept bringing him in and he constantly wants to put a pizza in everything mm -hmm. and yeah. like, no not no not the pizza beer again <laughs> mate yeah amazing yeah. well let's round this out with me asking you some questions that i'm Ever so glad that I'm asking instead of answering. So the which what the first one is which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, you get rid of the filmographies of the rest of the family. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a world without Apocalypse Now, Godfather. It's hard to bet. It's Nicolas Cage, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Nicolas Cage. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely Nicolas Cage. I mean, that seems like a cop-out answer, considering the podcast, but it's, it's absolutely Nicolas Cage. I mean, I can't live in a world without Con Air, Face Off, and Wilder Heart. I, I, I just don't want to be in it. The, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that's the right answer, but it's the right answer. <laughs> it's the right uh, yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I love. I love. I love. Like I keep saying this on the podcast, but I love people who answer this question as selfishly as possible with what they want. I, I feel like, and this is no discredit to people who answer the question with, oh, if I look at like the the state of film as it were, like, do you know what I mean? I think for other people, like the world wouldn't be the same without Francis Ford Coppola. It's like, yeah, but that's no fun. I want to know. What, what yeah. makes you tick? Yeah, I want to watch. I I want to watch Willy's Wonderland on a Friday. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so based off this film alone, are the Coppola's the greatest film family of all time? No. 
Oh, based on this film alone? No. <laughs> I mean, like that, well, that's, maybe that's a bit unfair because Talia Shire is good. She is, she is good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But, no. <laughs> this, no. She's fighting her case, but unfortunately she lost it. Yeah. Uh, to a big pizza bear. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. possibly the most important question on this podcast is, what does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? Well, I watched Lost in Translation again today. Okay. I did. And I hadn't seen it for a long time. And I'd like to think that the standard answer is he says something along the lines of, you know, you, you don't need me. But what struck me is she says a line about writing about being a writer, mm-hmm. but she never, she doesn't think she's any good. So I think he says to her, "You should, you can write to me. You don't need me, but you can write to me because you know you can write." I'd love that. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I didn't know where that was <laughs> going to go. I thought you were, thought you were gearing up for a, to, to do a I, rug pull and a big gag at the end. No, I got to be honest. I wasn't sure it was going because I. Just said that then. <laughs> but go on with it. Amazing. That's uh, that's that's a perfect answer. Well, thank you so much for coming and making some Coppola connections with me, Will. Uh, where can people find you if they want to hassle you? If they disagree with your opinions on this film, where can they come and find you and tell you you're wrong? I'm just me. I, I just Twitter. That's where I don't really do the others, but I'm just on Twitter at Will Chich. Perfect. Where I'm at, if anyone wants to disagree with me about the pizza bear, <laughs> well, again, or, 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 or talk exploding sleeping bags, I'm fine with it. Yes, please. Yeah, just, uh, please. If you're listening to this, guys, uh, I I beg of you to I, I will I will I will pin it to my fucking top of my Twitter <laughs> when you hear this to just use the gif that is there and just at will. At will in it. Just send it to send loads of loads of that gif, and I think it will make everyone's day. Absolutely, a whole much brighter, right? It was like seeing that seeing that gif over and over again. Well, will it's been an absolute pleasure having you here to make some Coppola connections with me. Thank you very much. And there we go. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to win Will around to the Coppola's being the greatest film family of all time. But there's still plenty of films to make up that tally chart to uh, make make it so I am right in the end that I'm not wasting my time and that I am uh, <laughs> vindicated that they are the greatest cinematic family of all time baby uh and i will be doing so next week by talking to the fantastic david trumbull all about jason schwartzman's first ever screen acting role in 
Wes Anderson's Rushmore. It's a fantastic chat. I've been sitting on this one for a while. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it and uh, be prepared. It's a long one. I think it's an hour longer than the actual film, but we get into some real deep uh, places and kind of really bare our souls on this one. So, yeah, I think you're you're in for a treat. Uh, we we go to some places that I don't know that you'll 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 hopefully appreciate. And yeah, it's it, it was a really fun chat. As much as there was like deep chat in there, it was it was a really fun chat. So be sure to check out that one next week. In the meantime, though, you can always keep up to date with everything I'm up to, whether that is on all the socials, so it's uh, Instagram. Twitter, Letterboxd, and Facebook, all at Caged In Pod. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, feel free to drop me a message on any of those or drop me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. As I said up front, you can always support the podcast on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Caged In Pod. Or you can buy me a coffee, which is coffee.com forward slash caged in pod again if you enjoyed this episode or any episode of the podcast please be sure to rate review and subscribe on acast apple podcast or wherever you're listening to this right now it really does help to give me those nice rating and reviews it helps me like get up the charts i think the the highest like i checked recently it was like Got to like number 24 in the film history charts on the Apple Podcast app, which is absolutely crazy. So if we can try and get it in the kind of top 10, let's do it, guys. Tell people, you know, who knows? Their favorite film might be coming up. Who knows? This might be their favorite podcast. So let people know. Let's share the word. So as always, I've been Petros Patsilibus, your guide through the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. Remember to keep it caged in and I'll catch you next time. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.